0: This is the world we're living in, oh, and these are the hands we're given. Use will let's stop trying oh, to make it a place worth fighting for. This is the world we're living in, oh, and these are the hands we're given. Oh, oh, where
1: our lives are going to. Oh. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world, this monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never Ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. We are the nation that gave rise to the Wright brothers Harriet Tubman, George pat the great Louis Armstrong, Elvis Presley, Ella Fitzgerald. We settled the Wild West, won two world wars, landed American astronauts on the moon. Centuries from now, our legacy will be the cities we built, the champions we forged, the good that we did, and the monuments we created. America's destiny is in our sights. America's heroes are embedded in our hearts. America's future is in our hands and ladies and gentlemen the best is yet to come
2: boy is the is the best yet to come i'm telling you by february 2021 it is going to be so awesome there's you won't be able to do anything but say damn it i wish i knew it then it would have you know, relieve me of some stress, so I'm here to tell you that. Now, uh, we—I was uh, live streaming the first portion of the Amy Coney Barrett uh, um, hearing, and uh, what's interesting is—is, is, um, you know, what we're going through right now is nothing compared what is to come uh, these are just their statements uh, their own statements that they are making uh, opening it's more grandstanding and right now they're just upset that Biden does not have a bargaining chip and uh, I posted an article this weekend to clarify why Barack Hussein Obama did not appoint. A Supreme Court justice when he had the opportunity. And that was key because everybody keeps thinking, well, Obama didn't do it. Obama didn't do it because he didn't want to. I mean, at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton needed some leverage. And the only way she would have leverage is to hold a seat hostage. And that's basically what she did. She was holding a seat hostage. And through that hostage seat, she was able to negotiate her email scandal to go away. She was able to do a lot more than just that, actually. But that's number one. Okay. That is the number one. So she used that for that. And They already knew that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was going out the window, of course. Uh, She had, uh, you know, one and a half feet in the grave for a very, very long time. But it wasn't something that they thought that they would lose, the elections. They never thought they would lose. They never did. And so they didn't feel it necessary to chase that chip away. Here's a video that I dug up and found of uh, our nominee right now being grilled. She's just sitting there listening. Some things are completely random, of course. Um, right now, she's up for taking a seat at the Supreme Court Justice at the highest court of our land, where they're supposed to be interpreting our laws and arguing our laws. They're making it a clown show again. And they're walking very carefully because this is a woman and they are treading carefully. Their arguments are more Joe Biden should do it. Well, here she is saying that Barack Hussein Obama has every right to nominate someone to the Supreme Court right after her mentor, Antonin Scalia, curiously. Was dead. Take a listen.
3: And joining us now is Amy Barrett, a law professor at Notre Dame. She also previously served as a clerk for Justice Scalia. Amy, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Justice Scalia was known as a larger than life figure on the court. What was it like working for him?
4: (laughs) All jobs have been downhill since. Um, (laughs) He was truly a man about whom it could be said he was the smartest in the room, he was also the funniest. He was a great mentor. He was warm. But that is not to say that he was never intimidating. Before argument, he would have a clerk conference and the clerks were responsible for coming in to present either side of the case to the justice. And he relished an argument and he wanted to hear the arguments on both sides. He was not interested in just having us parrot back what we thought he wanted to hear. And there is nothing that will hone your skill in making oral legal arguments than going toe to toe with Justice Scalia. So it was a great.
5: Uh, Justice Scalia was uh, a prominent conservative. Um, Everyone knows that. But everyone knows also that he was very good friends with Ruth Ginsburg, a prominent liberal on the court. Do you think this is going to be part of his legacy, his ability to find common ground with people he disagreed with?
4: Absolutely. Um, He was good friends with Justice Ginsburg. He developed a close relationship with Justice Kagan as well. You know, today, I think too often um, people who love ideas think that they can only be friends with people who share their ideas. But that is an impoverished life, and it is not the life that Antonin Scalia led. I mean, he had great respect for those whose principles were different than his own.
3: Yeah, that's such an important lesson. Certainly, I hope people take away. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the impact now, Amy, to the court now that Justice Scalia is gone?
4: I think one impact will be more boring opinions. Um, my students love reading Justice Scalia's opinions because they're colorful. They're also clear. Um, Justice Scalia really forever changed the way the court thinks about the interpretation of legal texts, both the Constitution and statutes. Before Justice Scalia was on the court, the court was not very self-reflective about the way that it approached interpreting texts. And even those who did not agree with Justice Scalia really sharpened and formulated their arguments on the other side in response to the ones that he made. Now, some have pointed out in the days since his death that Justice Scalia's influence will not be felt through his majority opinions. And they've pointed out that he wrote more concurrences and dissents than majorities. That's true, but that's a function of the fact that Justice Scalia was not the most senior justice in uh, among the conservatives who generally shared his jurisprudential philosophy. He served under Chief Justice Rehnquist and then Chief Justice John Roberts, and it is rare for a Chief Justice not to keep the assignment of a blockbuster case for himself or herself. So Justice Scalia didn't have the opportunity to write as many majorities, but those majorities, justices circulate the opinions in chambers before they're published, and they each have the opportunity to make suggestions and say, I'll join it if you change this. And I I think that Justice Scalia had a great influence on the way opinions were drafted And I think his concurrences and dissents are really where he made the clear case because he was speaking in his own voice for how he thought the Constitution should be interpreted.
3: You know, Amy, I don't
5: know if you saw the GOP uh, debate, but on Saturday, Marco Rubio suggested that presidents don't nominate Supreme Court justices during election years. You are also a law professor. How valid is that assertion?
4: Well, it's not I, I've seen all of the tallies on blogs and I have not done the historical research myself. But I gather that there have been six in the 20th century and 11 if you go back to the Civil War of confirmations that happened during presidential election years. But I think the question is, what does this precedent establish? And and I don't think it establishes a rule for either side in the debate. I mean, if you look back, say, at the six that were confirmed in the 20th century in a presidential election year, um, all but one of those was not a confirmed, sorry, in a period of divided, gov- in a period of, sorry, united government, um, where the president and the Senate were of the same political party. And it shouldn't be a surprise that the Senate is willing to push a president's nominees through in an election year when they share the same political affiliation. Um, the one exception to that was Anthony Kennedy. And the one that was confirmed in a period of divided government before that was in the 1880s. And Justice Kennedy, you know, the the arguments will be that that situation was distinguishable. Um, The nomination, the vacancy did not arise in the presidential election year. It arose the year before in June when when, uh, Justice Powell retired. And Justice Kennedy was nominated in November of the prior year. Moreover, he was nominated after Bork's nomination had failed And Ginsburg withdrew his nomination. So the the wrangling for the spot, the conversation about the spot, the existence of the spot um, had been in play for a long time before that. Moreover, Kennedy is a moderate Republican and he replaced a moderate Republican, Powell. Um, We're talking about Justice Scalia, you know, the staunchest conservative on the court. And we're talking about him being replaced by someone who could dramatically flip the uh, balance of power on the court. It's not a lateral move. Um, You know, and, and finally, we the reality is we live in a different time. You know, Kennedy was confirmed unanimously. So incidentally, was Scalia. And this is not the time we live in now post Bork, As we all know, confirmation hearings have gotten far more contentious. And so I just don't think we live in the same kind of time. So I think in some, the president has the power to nominate and the Senate has the power to act or not. And I don't think either one of them can claim that there's a rule governing one way or the other.
5: All right, very interesting. Professor Amy Barrett, thanks a lot.
4: My pleasure.
2: Interesting, right? Well, let's remember what a Biden America would look like.
5: This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop, and they should not. (laughs) These people are scared of my life. (laughs)
6: Third straight night, Portland police declared a riot. The vast majority of the protests have been
3: peaceful. Over the weekend, 59 officers injured and 47 people arrested.
7: New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announcing a proposal to cut a billion dollars from the New York City Police Department.
5: We need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department.
1: Safe in
2: Joe Biden's America. No, you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America, and he won't be around in that timeline, which is very small. I could just tell you that right now. Uh, the 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 instance of it happening is at twenty seven percent, which is pretty big considering it shouldn't even be there. But that's because. We are being influenced by other nations. Now, I am preparing something, uh, something that I'm revamping from 1965, a very short video that I should be putting out for all of you to watch. Um, and I think it's uh, really important uh, that people remember that it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or you know a traveler like me uh to understand that the the future is extremely evident uh evident from your perspective of course uh, uh everyone is subjective unfortunately and so when you're in a room of people and everyone influences each other uh the good thing would be to put people on the same wavelength Now, even though I consider myself very objective, very, very objective, I am 100% behind President Trump Hmm. because he was supposed to be the president of the Golden Age. And I say this from a point of privilege, as the left likes to say, because I've seen it. Shadowgate 2 is coming very soon. Uh, Shadowgate 2, as I said, is riveting fire Shadowgate 3 is the nail on the coffin. And, uh, I, I just wanted to say this week is going to be explosive. Uh, it is going to be crazy. And I said what we need to be careful of is between October 15th and October 17th. What happens during those days? We must, we must stay. Solid to our core. Now, I've always said that, uh, you know, there are moments in our in our time that we have um, news, right? News that we can control and news that we can't. And many, many times when there is a, an awareness of the public. Right. Kind of like how we said, hey, they were going to go to this senator's house that Millie Weaver broke and they're going to be doing this because there was public awareness. The event was deterred. But sometimes when the public is aware of other wrongdoings and it spreads like wildfire, well, that kind of helps us bring it to the surface. And I circle back to my understanding of release of information from our president, where it was on October 6th that he said, I have fully authorized the total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the single greatest political crime in American history, the Russia hoax." Likewise, the Hillary Clinton email scandal, because they're one in the same, no redactions. So I did a thread, and I'm going to read out my thread. Um, so that way we see that on October 6th, I said this, and it was only four or five days, and that content of conversation began to come into focus. Yes? It's as if public awareness brings things to light. So here's where I say a few things. So in 2011, I was told to arrange with our contacts a water passage for Ambassador Stevens to Libya. At that time, he wasn't the ambassador um, in Libya, just so you know. It was a Greek boat, and that boat gave him passage. We got him across. And um, Hillary Clinton, so you guys understand, was orchestrating a coup with rebel leaders uh, within Libya, uh, and that was in concert with the UN. So the UN was assisting Hillary Clinton in leveling out Libya, and we see this today. This is why the UN still has a hold of Tripoli. Come on, guys. I mean, it's, they're the only ones there holding on to Tripoli saying that's the legitimate government. And it's like, why are you saying what's the legitimate? You're not even Libyan. You're the UN. Piss off. Anyway, she needed it leveled out and Stevens was hired to facilitate the communications between those organizations that we were funding and arming and the funding of ISIS, the funding of Iran, the funding of these rebels, as they call them, groups, will be coming to surface really quick. Shadowgate 3 is going to blow that up. Remember, my job was all about money and energy. Money. Money. So I sorted out money. He got to Libya. No details in between. I'm just giving you the bare bones. Um, and, you know, because he was successful in uh, establishing those contacts with those uh, rebels, as you would say, or opposition, whatever you want to call it, with the UN. He was a great buffer. She made him ambassador. But here's the problem. The minute I saw that she gave him ambassadorship, I thought, shit, he's going to die because this is a suicide mission. Whoever's going to be there is going to be a suicide mission because the only way that you can prompt a war and a takeover, it's a common, common card used, is to facilitate an attack upon our own people. Now, There was a possibility that he would have been, I don't know, gone for a hair appointment or like, you know, that time with the 9-11 where all the government, federal buildings, what was it, the FBI? It just so happened that the day of 9-11, they were getting pest control. So they were all out of the office, you know, stuff like that. So there could have been that possibility. But that possibility dwindled the minute he started having conversations with people and wasn't really happy with what he was seeing. So here we go again. I was sending communications again because I had done it in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. I was sending communications to the Senate and Congress through non-attribution channels, through regular snail mail, however I saw fit that was secure to get it to the right hands. I would tell them. Here's an email that didn't have a lot of color. Look, she's using her own personal emails. Check it out. This is a big problem. She's, you know, in communication with the UN. They're doing all this stuff. Holy crap. Stevens is going to get killed. Uh, I think we need uh, someone at the State Department to do something. Hey, Congress. Hey, Senate. Hey, Lindsey Graham. Back then. So here we go. Ambassador Steven is the ambassador. And, you know, obviously they took him out the minute he saw what's up. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I kept sending document after document after document after document. And none of these clowns in office would move. Do you know when they acknowledged receipt and I saw something happen? Guess what? When I added a little bit of blackmail that was existent on them, the blackmail she had, the blackmail he had, the blackmail they all had on them from using information from their, I don't know, UBS credit card statements, from maybe showcasing a couple shell companies, maybe side investments they put in a kid's name, but they don't have that kid because that kid doesn't exist, you know, stuff like that. Or maybe foreign property. So I had to throw blackmail in it. That's what sucks. It's like, seriously though. I have to show you blackmail in order for you to ask for emails? It's ridiculous. Now these people are dead. Now Libya's toast. And you let her get away with it. I had to hold your feet to the fire and say... Hey, you remember that passport you traveled when you shouldn't have? Oh, you remember that West African National that you had fly in and open up a bank account down in St. James in that bank account? And then you had tons of money go in there and you're pulling out under some fake name. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's how much laundry they got on them. So this is what I had to do in order to get them to do their job. I had to show them. Dude, I'm not messing with you, man. I'll drop all of this. There was no way I was gonna drop it because number one, it would have come at me. I mean, there was a one, there was a one point when they actually initiated and asked questions about him that they were all so pissed. They were pissed. They had wiretapped everybody and their mother. They had no idea where they were getting their communications from, and that was the conversation when I walked into a room and I had traveled all around the United States hopping because of the stupid flight arrangement that I had made because obviously they were going to pay me back. And you know, that took forever because non attribution pay too. So it was so bizarre. (laughs) Walking, I walk in and they're like, who is it? Who's the one giving these communications about her emails? And I'm like, whoops, should have waited a little bit. It was the most awkward situation because I was the one that handed it to them. So it was they were really pissed. They were really, really pissed. So um, as I've mentioned many, many times, uh, ISI plays a very big role. The one brothers play a big role, but that's for later. See, the ISI kicks in when we'd want them to stage something for us so we can get something. Kind of like, oh, look, he was the sniper that took out Osama. Shut up, actor. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, he served the country, but he also served the deep stage by giving the fake, you know, applause. I, I'm just saying. So... ISI, Pakistani intelligence, very, very important. I mean, you know, if I were the Trump administration, I would be looking for some emails. I'd totally get a hold of the Barrick Holders firm down, you know, Covington, Burling, and uh, check out Tower One in the basement where they've got Pakistani intelligence working on their freaking servers. It, it, you know, the Awan brothers know, they they know this. So anyway, the question is, The question that everyone should say is, if the president gave the order, then why aren't we talking about Charles Black? Why aren't we talking about who was actually funding this stuff? And obviously we have the the most disgusting, despicable dude, McCain's records. So why are we playing footsie? This is super footsie. Uh, There are some things that we could just go for and just blurt it out. We don't have to play this footsie so hard. It's a lot of footsie. For lots of footsie and, I, and i'm a little bit confused as to why we're playing footsie throw them all under the bus i'm saying give me 72 hours in a skiff with unfettered access to the opm right just give it to me give it to me with all the clearances i will we wi- i will give you a list of every single person that is part of the obama continuation of government i will give you every single name every single person you know what We're probably going to be left with maybe 17% of our federal employees, but that's okay. We've got tons of people unemployed that are looking to work, and we could put them into federal jobs just as well. Now, what people need to understand is Benghazi is not going away because it was a very big deal. It showed through there is how they found out about, they found that, they knew. Okay, let's not pretend the whole they found out. They all knew. They all use their personal emails. They all do. And you know, sometimes I'll just tell you, sometimes you use your personal email like Gmail or whatever, because uh, your phone isn't synced up. You got to get communications out. Uh, you try to make it as, uh, you know, obscure as you can. Uh, you know, if you're flying and you're traveling and your email's not working, I get it. There are some hiatuses you can have, or maybe you can go to someone that has clearance and use their email and say, hey, my email's not working. Because, you know, sometimes they do that crap on purpose, too. So that way they catch you. But anyway, that's another story. So the question that everyone should be asking themselves is, crap, all of them use private email. Crap, they knew Hillary Clinton was using private email. But what was the significance of Hillary Clinton using her emails? Aside from the fact Benghazi is going to blow right up and, and, and we're seeing it, right? We're seeing it. Why? Because, hey, we talked about it then. I tweeted about it then, and today, it's like a hot topic. It's like, more is coming out. And it's like, great, let's get more coming out. The bottom line is... What they were planning. I've said this before. Her emails were dodgy. Her emails were disgusting. Some videos are disgusting. Blackmail is disgusting. The blackmail they have is really disgusting on Graham. And the thing is, you know what? I personally think he was kind of duped into it and didn't really know, but kind of knew, but you know, it's kind of sketchy. Like, did he know? I mean, he was a little bit watered. You know what I'm saying? They watered him a little bit with a little bit of etoh beforehand. So it could have been, but Regardless, still disgusting. Um, that's all, you know, disgusting, evil, everything. The thing that we care about is not so much the emails pertaining to all that rubbish and the evilness. What we, what we care about as a nation, aside from child, you know, child trafficking, human trafficking, the experimentation, that derives because of that child and human trafficking, because that's the majority of why we have human trafficking and child trafficking. Okay. Is the fact that their whole goal was to sell our country out, sell it out, sell it out. Okay. This is it. I mean, think about it. This witch was sitting there discussing another nation's fate with the United Nations, and was using our tax dollars, our people to fund it and fight it. That's disgusting. Why are we doing that? Oh, uh, because she said so because they get power. It's all about power power, 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 power. <laughs> And you know what's funny is, is that even though Hillary Clinton seems all and powerful, it's only here within the United States that you may think as a representative per se of the United States, that she is powerful, but she's not. There are bigger people, bigger people, bigger people than that. If you want to call them people bigger, bigger, they want to keep you mesmerized, silent, drunk on lies And fake news media to thump it down your throat. That is exactly what's going on. Now, look, let me tell you something. I've, I've, I've said this and, uh, you know, I dance with these people. I was, you know, part of their high intelligence group, the HIG, the HVIG. This is why Admiral, uh, why the Admiral got canned, right? Admiral Blair slipped. And he got canned six months later for slipping because he said, hey, they have like these high intelligence groups that work with the terrorists. And they were like, yo, there's no like chapter for it. You didn't file for it, Obama. What the f- are you doing? We have to know who's working for you. You can't just have a secret group. I was part of that secret group. Right. I was part of them. And that's why he got bumped. You know, you can't have off the book Intel groups at the White House. But he did. Obama did. He totally did. And when that happened, when he slipped, man, you guys, I like cheered. Seriously, I did. So, you know, all these people knew. Pelosi knew. Pelosi made a fortune. Pelosi knew. And you know what's funny? Judicial Watch back in 2009 when Admiral Blair was fired, right? Because he mentioned, you know, the group that was off the books you know, they thumped on Nancy Pelosi about it. Judicial watch this. We're talking 2009. And guess what? Pelosi knew about it, freaking witch. She didn't say a word. Comey knew about it. He totally knew about it. He was part of it. Uh, advising, of course, on behalf of Lockheed, right? Oh, yeah, because there's a lot of those in there, too. Just saying. So it's all private contractors off the books, kind of like the guy in Denver, (laughs) kind of like the guy in Denver, you know, that shot someone with expended ammo, expended ammo, still shooting hands up. Oh, look, he peacefully put his gun down. (laughs) We've seen him before. Let's start talking. Let's start finding what's going on. Link to the news station, link to was a security guard, isn't a security guard. What's the real story? Nobody knows yet. We'll find out. It's okay. It's okay for now. Now, before we start, um, you know, uh, the the local news, I just wanted to give you an update on what is going on uh, with Armenia and Turkey. Uh, it's really important that we see that the world is literally on fire everywhere. And um, it's quite important to understand where we stand uh, with all of this. So first, I'll give you uh, Turkey's take uh, from obviously their counterpart, Qatar, uh, which put out a news report where Turkey says Armenia must end illegal occupation. of <laughs> Wait, listen. OK, Armenia had oh, like most of their nation was stolen by Turkey. They've held on to whatever territory they had with dear life. And now Turkey's like, you need to stop. You're illegally occupying their land. Oh, and meanwhile, Azerbaijan and Armenia are fighting, and it seems that Canadian drones are being used. The Canadian drones that none of these nations purchase. Guess who bought those Canadian drones? Oh, that's right, Turkey. So that means Turkey is the one at war with Armenia. You know Turkey that committed genocide, right? Just thought I'd remind you of the genocide they committed. So take a listen to this from
0: Ibrahim Kalin. He's a senior advisor to, to and spokesman for President Erdogan and joins us live from the presidential palace in Istanbul. Thank you so much for joining us here on Al Jazeera. Just explain to us more, why does Turkey not want a diplomatic solution to this crisis?
8: No, we support a diplomatic solution and we call on the Minsk group actually to come up with... Uh, timetable with a new proposal that is actionable, that has uh, specific guidelines to uh, end the current uh, round of uh, hostilities, but also, more importantly, to find a way to end the occupation uh, of Azeri lands by Armenia. That has been the root cause of this problem. The Minsk Group, which was established uh, almost 30 years ago, has done very little, in fact, to uh, bring an end to this frozen conflict in the Southern Caucasus at its time. Uh, really to come up with a new uh, proposal new roadmap that's what the azeris have been demanding that's what we have been supporting yes to a ceasefire but a ceasefire must be sustainable and the only way to make it sustainable is also to talk about ending the armenian occupation of azeri lands uh, as you know uh, karabakh nagorno karaba is, uh, uh, is, is 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 the land of the azerbaijan State of Azerbaijan, according to UN decisions, according to numbers of uh, number of resolutions, OIC decisions, etc. So yes, to a diplomatic solution, but that that needs to come up with or, or combine with a, a, a timetable, with a roadmap that will bring an end to the occupation of Nagorno-Karabakh by Armenia.
0: So, do you support then the efforts of the French, Russian, and US representatives who are heading to Geneva to start thrashing out a roadmap?
8: If they're calling only for a ceasefire, working just on a ceasefire, it will be nothing more than a repeat of what went on over the last 30 years or so. Uh, it, it, it is uh, almost certain to fail if it doesn't uh, also involve uh, a detailed uh, plan to end uh, the occupation. Uh, and uh, uh, yes, we want this clashes to come to an end. We don't want any civilians or others to be hurt. Uh, in this conflict, uh, too many people have already lost their lives. Uh, more than a million Azeri uh, people had to flee Nagorno-Karabakh in the 1990s when Armenia occupied this part of Azerbaijan. Yes, we want uh, an end to all of this, human suffering, the fighting, this conflict in the Southern Caucasus. But if the Minsk group is to be credible, and if they are going to uh, claim any political and moral authority at this point to bring an end to this conflict, they must also start a serious work on ending the occupation.
0: Um What's Turkey's role here? Why exactly is is Turkey taking such a a strong position in this particular conflict?
8: Uh, well, for two reasons. Southern uh, Caucasus, uh, you know, what happens there, of course, is of direct concern to us. Uh, it affects, uh, you know, our borders. It affects our uh, uh, our region, uh, our relationship with Azerbaijan, with Georgia, and the larger uh, Caucasus region. That's number one. Number two, we have a very special relationship. Uh, with Azerbaijan, you know, we call ourselves one nation, two states. And we have a long-standing, uh, military agreement uh, with Azerbaijan, in addition to many other cultural, economic, political, diplomatic, uh, agreements with Azerbaijan. Um, and we would like to see an end uh, to this occupation of Azeri lands. Well, you, you keep saying uh, this uh, is know, an we occupation. We also, uh, about this cause we believe
0: Miss, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there. You, you keep saying this is, is an, an occupation, occupation but this is, the these, people, these people have been living there. This goes, this predates 1994. It predates the, the 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 late 80s. These people have been living there. Generations have been living there and for decades. This goes. You could argue this goes back to the 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 Soviet days in the USSR.
8: I think you're referring to the Armenian population of Nagorno-Karabakh. Uh, that's a fact that they've they been living there uh, together with the Azeris for for many decades under the Soviet Republic rule. That is true. And the Azeris have always said that, you know, once Nagorno-Karabakh is liberated, those Armenians who live there will live under, uh, uh, you know, just like, you know, any other uh, uh, citizens. They will be entitled to their rights. Uh, they will have their freedom of religion, culture, identity, and, and, and so on and so forth. Yes, it is occupation, according to all the UN resolutions, just like the Israeli occupation of the Palestinian lands. There is no legal or political debate about that. It's a fact.
0: So so is Turkey going to stay involved in this until the Armenians leave the region of Nagorno-Karabakh, until uh, Armenians pull out completely, pull all their citizens who've been living there for decades? Is that your dividing line. Turkey stays engaged in this fight until that happens.
8: No, well, no one has called for civilian Armenians to leave Nagorno Karabakh. If once, uh, uh, in fact, when, uh, once Nagorno Karabakh is liberated and becomes part of Azerbaijan, again, those who uh, live there, Armenian citizens, I'm, uh, uh, I mean. Uh, of course, they will be allowed. They will have the rights to stay there because they've been living there for many years. As I said in the past, before the Armenian occupation, the Azeris and Armenians were living together. But let's not forget the fact that more than a million Azeris had to flee Nagorno-Karabakh after uh, the the Armenian occupation and about the as far as I remember, about 30 plus thousand, almost 40,000 people died over the last 30 years. We but do I not want to, to see a repeat in, indeed, you know, of, of what I just want to get into how decades. deeply
0: Turkey is involved in this because there have been allegations that Turkey is sending troops, that's sending Syrians via Turkey into this fight, supplying arms to the Azeris. It, it appears that t- Turkey is very, very invested in this at a time when.
2: What if I told you that the same Syrian—and I'm using air quote—troops of rebels that they're sending into this fight, along with Turkey's weapons, like their drones that have that they purchased from Canada, are attacking Armenians? Are the same rebel groups that Barack Hussein Obama funded to cause these—I uh, would say—turmalous circumstances during his regime?
0: you're already um, fighting with NATO members and disputes with NATO members in the eastern Mediterranean, getting involved in Libya. Now it appears there is a third front there happening in the Caucasus. I mean, are you worried that Turkey is spreading itself a bit too thin, fighting on too many fronts?
8: Well, first of all, there is no evidence of the so-called Syrian fighters going, fighters going to uh to azerbaijan or facilitated no by evidence. us but there, uh, there is evidence of lebanese armenian uh, individuals i guess or militia uh, you know going there i mean they're posing before cameras and saying calling openly you know for a holy war or something against well, the, the french Israelis president and, and the Turkey. syrian president really say that's not nonsensical. the case but we are...
0: the french president the syrian president have well, said uh, there how, are syrians I don't know being how credible sent they to are.
8: can you take <laughs> they are not good references, really, when it comes to facts. Uh, either the Syrian president or the French president—I'm not sure—because we had to deal with them in the past on many different occasions. Uh, but I know the French position. You know, they oppose uh, Turkey almost on uh, every single issue of strategic significance in Syria, in Libya, and we believe France is on the on the wrong side of history. I mean, in uh, in Syria, France supports uh, members of PKK, which is a terrorist organization listed as.
2: By the way, PKK is what Turkey says is a terrorist organization and the UN, but not the U.S. and not France. And he's upset because they're upset with what they're doing in Libya, which is pretending to be their army because the UN gave them a mutual defense agreement to defend Libya. But remember, not the whole nation, even though the UN says the whole nation is just Tripoli. This is the UN's doing. They're empowering Turkey. So that way, Turkey gets cocky just like this guy is so that way they can take him out earlier they just think they're so wrong side of history you mean what give you back your ottoman empire <laughs> times of the past cannot be re- relived if the people have been awoken
8: it's a terrorist organization in the eu in france and other places uh, in libya france supports Haftar, uh, who is supported by russia and france is a nato
2: Haftar is supported by everybody and their mother except for you in the U.N. Haftar is the general that is American. Just so you know, he's also an American leading the Libyan national army, the only legit government of the Libyan people. And the United States recognizes him, too. And so do all the uh, all the other nations, Israel, Greece, Italy. So it's not just France and Russia. Russia. It's the whole world except the U.N., Turkey, Qatar. And I wonder if Kuwait's going to sit on that.
8: The member, I don't know how it reconciles this with, uh, you know, with being a member uh, of, of NATO and uh, talking about the uh, the security and safety of the southern flank of uh, of NATO in in North Africa. Uh, etc. So, I mean, they're all complicated issues uh, there. But, you know, our main concern uh, is to find uh, a diplomatic solution to this. But as I said, for this peace to be sustainable or ceasefire to be sustainable, it needs to be uh, based on uh, a a roadmap a plan to end the occupation that that yeah. will be the only Here's way to solve how you this end problem the problem.
2: So you don't- you uh, give up your land just like we forced the Cypriots to do and we'll let you stay there but because you're Christian we'll kick you out and we'll take over. So that's what's up. That's what he's saying. You give up like they did in Cyprus, in northern Cyprus, and we had it dirty, dirty, disgusting and evil, but, you know, Russia's going to come in, it's going to take care of it, said that, they're doing it, you watch. Now, on that note, let's see what Armenia had to say. Armenians are speaking now. This is uh, interesting. Hold on. Let's get this going. Because, um, you know, they don't get hurt a lot.
9: С двух сторон у Азербайджана и Арсаха абсолютно два разных подхода. Азербайджан говорит, что они освобождают свои территории. Это, ну, освобождают-то от кого? Во время Великой Отечественной войны советские солдаты, которые включали и русских, и армян, и азербайджанцев, другие, освобождали освобождали от нацистского весь мир, Европу.
2: So, um okay, there's no actual um interpretation I thought that it was, but he's just summarizing, you know, that what we have here is you know, Russia needs to get involved with the, with um, Azerbaijan. Um, you know, Turkey is pretty much declaring war on Armenia is what he's um, claiming. Let me see if it turns into English.
9: <laughs> here,
2: maybe here. It's a conflict that you... Here, maybe this will um, help because... Uh, my Armenia it's not good.
10: May not know much about yet. It's been
3: happening on and off for decades. Armenia and Azerbaijan, two former Soviet territories, have been locked in conflict for 32 years over a piece of disputed territory. There was a
10: stalemate until recently. And now there's a chance that world powers may be thrust into this crisis that has
3: already resulted in hundreds of deaths. Patrick Riebel is on the ground there and brings us this report. <laughs>
7: A decades old conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia reignited. This is what life has been like in Nagorno Karabakh's capital, Stepanakert, for more than a week air raid sirens and near constant bombardment. Armenia and Azerbaijan are fighting a large scale war along the borders of the disputed region. Now a flashpoint that risks triggering a larger international crisis.
3: Let them stop this war.
2: I don't want my son to be fighting there. I want all mothers to have their sons return to them. I ask everyone, help us.
7: The military conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh is one of the world's oldest. The mountainous region is claimed by both Armenians and Azerbaijanis. As the Soviet Union collapsed in the late 1980s, ethnic Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh sought to join the new Armenian state. The resulting six-year war killed over 20,000 people and displaced hundreds of thousands. Despite a ceasefire brokered by Russia in 1994, the conflict was never resolved. Nagorno Karabakh is now populated and controlled by Armenians, but is internationally still recognized as Azerbaijani territory. For 30 years, the conflict has regularly flared up. But there's been no fighting like this since the 1990s. Nearly two weeks ago, Azerbaijan launched a major offensive and has said it wants to force Armenia to withdraw entirely from Nagorno Karabakh.
6: This is unique, and this is very large in scale. We never had like...
2: So before you watch the rest of it, let's remember my previous shows where I told you uh we've got the South, Syria. We've got the West, Greece, Cyprus, right? And the Mediterranean. We've got the North, Black Sea, Russia, Ukraine, right? And what did I say? The next step is the East. Can you see how the East is coming into this? Flanking Turkey from all four corners. Do you see it now? And the concern people should have is, why now? And it's all going to make sense. It's all going to make sense. I I just want you to watch this and think to yourself uh, as you watch and listen. What is the point, right, of getting this small region, right, this small area, of people that are Armenian, it was always Armenia, it was always Armenia. The Armenians were pushed out of Turkey, okay? They were pushed out, so they uh, claimed territory that was, uh, you know, coinciding with the Azerbaijan. Remember, all of these people were part of the Soviet Union, okay? And they had to uh, kind of draw their own borders when they split up from the Soviet Union. So that's important for people to remember, that they had to split from the Soviet Union and they created their own. Now, the majority of them are there. So why now? Why now, while Turkey is open on all fronts, they they completely fucked up in the north by going in there. Russia shut down the Bospers and it's like, yo, Turkey, stop trying to drill for for oil. You remember? No, no, stay away. We've got the Bulgarians on alert too. It's a whole, you know, It's it's going to turn ugly up there because they're going to come down from the north. I'm telling you this now. We've got the West where they're pushing to expand their territory and say, these Greek islands are ours. They they were ours because we took over them and then we lost them. Now we want them back. Give it back. Then they want the South. They want all of Syria. They've been trying to get into Idlib. We've been talking about this on the show for about two and a half years now. Idlib, Idlib, Idlib. And Russia's like, nope, I'm right here blocking that too. So Russia's sitting pretty in the Eastern Mediterranean watching all this west and south and north and now the east now the east and we see where has pompeo gone he went to the east so think that little sliver of territory why now since 1994 this is the first
11: time we have a war with this large like scale
7: already hundreds of troops and dozens of civilians have been killed Right now, only one road is open to Nagorno-Karabakh from Armenia's capital, Yerevan. Driving into the mountains, signs of the war come towards us. As we're driving closer to Nagorno-Karabakh, we keep seeing ambulances coming past us. They're all coming from the front with the wounded. Getting closer to the border, we meet a group of men in new cars. They're donating them to the war effort.
9: it's for our motherland we're giving these cars to our friends so that they can use
7: these cars use them in wartime to carry the wounded to bring food to those places that need it the war has triggered a huge mobilization among armenians people signing up to fight donating food money and basic necessities and there is a need for them so far fighting is largely confined to nagorno karabakh and nearby areas but azerbaijan is indiscriminately bombarding the enclave Nuna Gabralian fled her town four days ago with nine grandchildren. Their home now is this kindergarten, along with seven adults.
3: This is our bedroom.
7: They sleep in the same room and eat in the classroom.
3: All of them, the bigger ones, this is already the second time they've seen this.
10: I appeal to the world. I ask you to stop it. It's enough. I've already seen war three times. I can't do this. I don't know where else to turn to, where I can hide these children so they don't see this
5: bombing.
7: Hundreds of people forced to flee are living in hotels in this town. Armenian forces have retaliated, striking cities in Azerbaijan. The United States, Russia and France have called for an immediate ceasefire, but that is complicated by a new factor in the conflict. Turkey is openly backing Azerbaijan far more aggressively than it has in the past. Syrian fighters from Turkish backed rebel groups are now allegedly being sent to Azerbaijan to fight. Turkey and Azerbaijan deny that. But in this refugee camp in northern Syria, two fighters told ABC News they were recruited by Turkey.
9: the Turkish government asked the Free Syrian Army to intervene in Azerbaijan. Our battalion was asked to provide 200 to 300 people to go to Azerbaijan. They told me I would earn a salary between 1300 to
7: $1,800. And then there's Russia, a formal military ally of Armenia, but it's supplying weapons to both sides. There are fears that the tangled geopolitics of this conflict could prolong the war, making it more bloody. For now, the goodbyes continue, families sending off their loved ones to fight once again.
5: My younger son came home wounded, and now I'm sending my older son to war so that he can protect my motherland, our Armenians, so that we all can live calmly and well. Let those Azerbaijanis and Turks leave. They're killing them. You understand?
7: In Armenia's capital, they're burying the dead. (laughs) Preparing to receive more casualties, they're digging fresh graves, three back hoes, working at once. Patrick Revel in Yerevan, Armenia, for ABC News Live.
2: So that is, uh, you know, a close look into how borders are redrawn by those in power. And never mistake, all of these wars, all of this that is happening, can you see how it's formulating now? Remember, what did I tell you that, um, you know, Erdogan has as a backup plan for gas and oil when, if, 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 if Iran is defused anytime soon? It says And think the territory that they're in is what? Very, very sitting on something what? Kind of like Crimea. You see what I'm saying? It's all about power, energy, and money. And that's what happens when these disgusting people sit in these carved desk offices that want to make money on the blood of people. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this. The only way to win a war is by not going to war. Those that fight and shed blood will never, ever win. Ever. And, you know, this will be seen very soon. That those that do not go to war win, and those that go to war lose. And that is going to be coming to fruition. You're going to see that happen, I tell you. And I don't know why people keep pushing anti-war, anti-drugs, anti-this. It's never a war that fights anything. It's supposed to be pro, pro, pro. So, again... They're never going to lose. The only way that you can win, the only way that we can see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is by what? By understanding that the Armenian now dying, the person in Azerbaijan dying, the person in Iran, in Syria, is just like you and me. And the more we shed our own blood the, the more, the more complicated it gets to, uh, undo this, uh, knot of terror. And, uh, you know, Turkey is a very big problem. And I've, uh, said that from day one on my show, you know. I can't wait till my November 5th episode, November 5th 2018 pre-recorded. I am going to be playing that for you. Um it's an hour show, but I've saved it and it never went up uh because I actually did a live one. I had pre-recorded just in case something was going to happen. Um my first one completely live, I was a little bit like um can I get all these knobs done right and everything, but Remember, remember the 5th of November. Damn. It was just an introduction, too. It was nothing like my first one. And it it circles back to wow. Has is Turkey going to mess things up three years to the day? Uh, so I wanted us to just kind of look at what's going on on a global scale before we head into our own news. Uh, in the meantime, before we take a short break, I want us to remember what our president said after his um, what I like to call Eisenhower's dent disappointment. Alright guys, so we're going to go to a uh, quick intermission Get our coffee, um, you know, ready And uh, go in head first into our uh, local news Uh, So I will see you guys in a bit I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start A flame in your heart. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. Whoops. Um, So now we're going to start on our news. I think um, we should start with... um, We should start... (laughs) I'm sorry. The distraction because of Shadowgate 2 is getting to me. Yeah. Just hint, 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 hint. So I think we should start first with, before anything, uh, with uh, General Flynn. One of the biggest atrocities to justice that has ever happened in the history of the United States of America. What they have done to him for uh, six years and then some. Because even though General Flynn was targeted uh, to be removed by uh, the deep state because they were terrified of him, the terrifying part of General Flynn, everyone keeps saying it's because he knows where the bodies are buried. He also knows who was taking money, kind of like those mercenaries you saw in that clip where they were like, Yeah, from the Syrian army, we were told we're going to get a salary if we go and fight. So it's kind of like the first hour where we talked about Turkey and the Syrians and whatnot. He knows exactly who was paid and why ISIS was alive and well and still flourishing. Money, 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 money. And so that is the, the real reason they took him out. Bodies are only the repercussions of the actual actions which were... The funds, your tax dollars, your tax dollars lining the pockets of these clowns that are sitting in their nice offices deciding who gets to live and who gets to die and what nation deserves borders and not. Which one is favorable to them? Think about it. Your money is lining their pockets and their pockets are lining the pockets of those that kill and obey those that pay them the most. Keep that in mind.
5: What and when this weekend on Sunday Morning Futures, I spoke with President Trump about the origins of the Russia probe and when his campaign was targeted by Hillary Clinton.
3: When do you believe
5: the FBI started working hand in glove with the Clinton operation to take you down? Was it early 16 or do you think it started even in 2015?
1: It started before I won and it started uh, when they started seeing that I could win and it's a disgrace and we caught them. We have them called, and now they have to do something it is, about it. But but other documents well, uh, are going yeah. to be released, Maria, which are breathtaking. Yes. Wait till you see what's coming oh, out. Oh, really? Breathtaking.
5: Is, is it about Hillary Clinton, or is it about th- th- the FBI that's coming out? It's about
1: out? everything. It's about everything. Hillary okay. Clinton is uh, okay. crooked Hillary. How do you get rid of your emails after you get a subpoena? She got texts for text messages, emails, et cetera. How do you do that? It's criminal.
5: And one of the ways the FBI wanted to stop Donald Trump was to stop his incoming national security advisor, that NSA, was General Michael Flynn. Joining me right now is attorney for General Michael Flynn, former federal prosecutor and the author of the book Conviction Machine, Sydney Powell. Sydney, it's good to see you this morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I want to ask you the same question: What you think about the coup to take down President Trump and how it was it was a target on your client's back? You have a you have a scenario that you believe took place here. Tell us what you see.
12: Oh, definitely, they framed General Flynn because he was the cornerstone of the insurance policy to destroy President Trump in the event he was elected. If you'll remember the timeline, of course, we now know that Hillary Clinton approved the transactions on July 26th. Uh, Peter Strzok opened Crossfire Hurricane file on July 31st. On August 15th, they texted Strzok and uh, Page about McCabe and the insurance policy they discussed in his office. On August 16th, the very next day, they opened the file against Flynn On August 17, the day after that, they sent Peter, Agent uh, Pienka, into the presidential briefing to spy and collect information on General Flynn, Gage's baseline mannerisms, and all of that, and to collect anything they could about the Russia situation to use later in the event. President Trump was elected and Flynn was in the White House.
5: You know, Cindy, what gets me is that there were a, f- a fair amount of uh, uh, people within the FBI, within the DOJ, who said, no, this dossier doesn't look good. Uh, this is disinformation. This is not true. We shouldn't be going with it. But there their red flags were put aside. I spoke with former acting director of national intelligence, Rick Grinnell, this weekend about that and why certain government officials did not speak up about the efforts to take down Donald Trump. Listen to what he said. He gave a really important explanation. Here it is. Who, in your opinion, was the mastermind? And tell me what was going on here.
9: We now know that insiders in, in the government at the CIA at DOJ, at FBI, they knew that this was a Russian collusion hoax and they allowed it to go forward for a variety of reasons. They were convinced that Hillary would win and they didn't really want to challenge Goliath. They thought that their careers could be benefited if they just shut up. Right now we have Comey and Brennan and others saying that they didn't know that this was a Russian collusion hoax. Their people knew. And so what we need to figure out is what level uh, are these individuals going to go to jail? Somebody needs to go to
12: jail.
5: So, Sydney, what is the state of affairs for your client at this point, General Michael Flynn? And I want you to tell our audience your theory in terms of John Brennan. We now know that Stefan Halper, who is a former spy, has been subpoenaed. And he was getting payouts from the Office of Net Assessments at the Department of Defense, the Pentagon. And this was basically being overseen by uh, by John Brennan. Here are the payouts that Stephen ha- uh, Stefan Halper Gotti was awarded uh, a contract valued at two hundred forty five thousand dollars in September of twenty fifteen. Fast forward to twenty sixteen, and we see another huge payout of four hundred eleven thousand dollars. That payout. Uh, happened a month before the warrant to spy on Carter Page took effect. You have a theory in terms of what John Brennan was doing over there at the Pentagon, right? Oh yes,
12: I think he was running a slush fund, essentially, in the FBI too, probably together through the Office of Net Assessment to fund Halper to pre- stop.
2: Ooh, Sydney girl, girl, let me tell you. So speaking of slush funds, because you're going to hear it here first. Oh, girl. Okay. I had, <laughs> remember how I said that I secured the boat, uh, for, um, Ambassador Stevens? That's what's up. You know, we have these funds that go and we write, uh, and there's receipts for it on what they're supposed to do. Girl, let me tell you, you think it's just the Pentagon? There mm-hmm. There is so much, so much. So Pentagon, USAID is another wallet used and love to be used by Brennan. USAID, 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 USAID. That's where they need to look for the receipts. The receipts for other payments to, you know, people of the crown, maybe China, China, maybe CrowdStrike, because the problem with USAID is they didn't write checks. See, that's how we paid. It was cash or we'd buy a property cash and then maybe lose the property, too. So. The Pentagon is just one way that you are able to obfuscate. So if there's actually a program and you want to put it in there because you think you're going to be using it for evidence later, you got to have receipts. USAID receipts are cash receipts. But if we look at USAID's receipt of cash, cash, cashing out with cash, you're going to see how that cash was. And you know, maybe we should ask... um. What's her name? Jamie Raskin's wife. You know how she cleared those cash payments, how they were unable to balance the books at USAID. This is where you see the money. Ukraine, Ukraine, Malta, Malta and China, China, China. Oh, but it was done through Hong Kong, the China, China. So, you understand how they work. Mrs. Jamie Raskin, uh, could tell us a lot. I mean, uh, you know, treasury and all, balancing the books. But the Pentagon, that's great. She found some of the dark, uh, money cover on what they use because you know everyone keeps saying well Brennan did Brennan was orchestrating everything you'll be surprised where the cia has accounts and black budgets in uh within divisions is you're just like what department of interior what's that isn't that about parks what are you talking about department of education shut up good job on um saying that because we need to start doing a really nice audit once we get rid of all of these clowns
12: create all this this huge smear campaign against general flynn but i think rick brunell really understated the situation it wasn't that they allowed it to go forward they jumped on it and pushed it forward to the extent of falsifying information for the fisa warrant pushing it through the media every way they could, working with Glenn Simpson at Fusion GPS, intaking a thumb drive from a lawyer at Perkins Coie. I mean, they were intaking information from Nellie Orr, Bruce Orr, everybody they knew was pushing this Russia hoax, and they knew it was a hoax.
5: They knew it, and they knew it was uh, Hillary Clinton's idea. Sydney, real quick, what's the stop?
2: okay first of all, stop giving Hillary Clinton so much credit. Hillary Clinton knew how they were going to do it, and it wasn't her idea. It was somebody else's idea. She just pushed it, and well, she didn't push it. She approved it, approved it, because this is how they were going to cover up her emails. Remember, Brennan had the OPM hacked, well, supposedly hacked, right? So they could figure out who the hell is sending these emails to the senators and to the Congresspersons about her email server. How did they know that she moved into Gmail one. I don't know. Maybe I sent it. That's the problem. They were looking to find out, you know, uh, non-attribution communications is really, really hard. It's not something anybody can do and you have to rely on people that know that art form. You know who's really good at setting up non-attribution channels? (laughs) Patrick Berge is really good at setting that up. He'd do that in a time of war. So, you know, it's really, really hard. You know, you don't just get on and send out a Proton mail, you know, you can't just sit there because everything can be found. You've got to make sure that you can transmit. Yeah, you could do it through Proton mail, sure, no problem, anonymous. But you've got to make sure that your IP is cloak like a like Harry Potter with his invisible robe, not peeking out at all. So it was all a plan to excuse um, them penetrating all of these. Uh, servers, I mean, like I said, we should be looking at, uh, Covington Burling servers. I mean, there's more coming out on that. And you know, it's really weird. I really feel like there's this one person that's totally in my head. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys read my article that I put out, but it's really important you read it because in there, there's a lot of emails, um, emails that are promising Eric some stuff, emails that are promising Loretta Lynch some stuff per SCOTUS. But wait till I tell you more about Covington Burling. Wait till I tell you how, how foreign nations have unfettered access to everything. Do you know what kind of clients Covington Burling has? Yeah. Every single military industrial complex known to man within the United States. Lockheed. Oh, you want you? We can keep on going. Senators, congresspersons, you name the general, you name the admiral, they're on the books. And what if I told you that there are access pathways to foreign governments? Oh, yeah, that's coming. Not just the Pakistanis. That's coming. See, Pakistani intelligence is one of the best intelligences on this planet. You think our CIA is good? It used to be used to be. Then they got cocky. They got cocky because they can control everything. They can control what you see, eat, hear, sleep, dream of, smell, taste, breathe in. Hmm. So they got cocky because they underestimate humans all the time. They do. They do. Take a listen to this final segment.
5: The status of the case uh, against General Michael Flynn. I know you have been Uh, pushing to get this dropped and Emmett Sullivan off the case. What's the state? What's the status?
12: Yes, the government just filed a response to our recusal motion against Judge Sullivan a couple of days ago and suggested that he render that moot by granting the dismissal with prejudice. That would certainly be a good idea. Otherwise, he has to recuse himself.
5: All right, we we will leave it there. Sydney, we are following this case closely. We want you to bring us updates whenever you can. Obviously, we uh, recognize the importance of uh, what this represents, Sydney. Thanks so much, Sydney Powell, joining us. Sydney Powell,
2: such an amazing human being, so uh, vibrant, so to the law, so honest to the core. I, 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 I mean, she just oozes, oozes goodness. Speaking of recusals. You need to listen to what Senator Schumer said about uh, our nominee right now getting grilled, part two. Actually not getting grilled, being talked at by clowns, part two. Um, What he had to say of Judge Barrett, that she needs to recuse herself from the Affordable Care Act before she even gets confirmed. Listen to this. This is crazy,
11: crazy. Barrett's previous record and public statements indicate she would vote to strike down the ACA and protections for millions of Americans and overturn Roe protections for women. Nothing in her opening statement allays those concerns. Nothing in her opening statement allays the concerns America has that she will overturn ACA and hurt people's health care and she will act to undo Roe v. Wade. So a vote for Judge Barrett is very simple. It's a vote to take health care away from 20 million Americans. It's a vote to strip protections from over 130 American exist- Americans with pre-existing conditions. And it's a vote to vastly curtail a woman's productive freedom. Ultimately, it's a vote for an activist judge whose mission, whose mission will be to implement a deeply unpopular, hard-right Republican agenda. That will undercut the rights and safety of Americans. Now, okay, now let's go to the um, issue at hand, recusal. 130 million, did I say it wrong? I believe you just said 130 million. Okay, so we know that a vote for Judge Barrett and her statement does nothing to allay those concerns. Will be a vote to strip protections from over 130 million Americans who have pre existing conditions, strip health care from 20 million Americans, raise Medicare drug prices for over 40 million seniors. That's what it will do. Okay, now let's go to the issue of recusal, which I will, since I changed the order around here. Okay. Well, we all know that the hearing for Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court begins tomorrow, but this is a moment unlike any other because this nominee comes before us with serious conflicts of interest. And we're here today to say that given Judge Barrett's conflicts of interest, she should recuse herself from any decision involving the Affordable Care Act and its protections and any decision related to the election that we will have on November 3rd. Let me, um, let me go for, through those things. What we know about Judge Barrett, two things among a slew of the others stand out. First, she has clearly said she'd strike down the Affordable Care Act and has delivered, that has delivered quality and affordable health care to millions of Americans. Second, President Trump has said that he needs to put her on the high court to possibly help him win re-election in suits that would come before the court after November 3rd. With these serious conflicts, Judge Barrett should immediately do the bare minimum and pledge to recuse herself from the decisions involving the ACA and the 2020 elections. In November, I believe it is November 10th, the court will hear all oral arguments in a challenge to Roe, in a challenge, rather, to the ACA. This is much too low, uh, Mike. Can we make it a little higher? Okay, yep, that's good. Okay, so on November 10th, the court is going to hear arguments about whether the ACA, with all its protections, is unconstitutional. Unfortunately, the Trump Justice Department Republican-appointed lower court judges have sided with this Republican attorney general argument to end ACA and strip away health care and pre-existing condition protections for tens of millions of Americans. President Trump's self-imposed litmus test and Judge Barrett's own past statements criticizing the law and the court's decisions as to whether, raise serious questions as to whether she can rule fairly at all. For that reason, Judge Barrett should pledge to recuse herself from the case involving ACA a week after the election if she is confirmed. Judge Barrett's record on ACA is filled with evidence demonstrating the need for recusal. In a 2017 law review article, she suggested she reviewed the Ill- as illegitimate the Supreme Court decision that upheld large portions of the ACA. she directly criticized Justice Roberts. In 2015, she criticized the court's decision in King v. Burwell, in which it affirmed the ACA tax credits for millions of families. She praised the dissent, which would have resulted in catastrophe for millions of Americans. And the views reflected that she would favor eliminating the ACA strongly so she doesn't come unbiased. And that's why she should recuse herself. And it's no surprise that President Trump is looking to rush this nomination through to the highest court in the land, because based on her record, it's clear that Judge Barrett has passed the Trump litmus test, which is he only will appoint justices who will repeal the ACA, only appoint them. And it appears also the president thinks Judge Barrett would support him should the 2020 election become contested in the high court. He has said, that I think this will end up in the Supreme Court. And the president's all but shouting from the rooftops that he needs Judge Barrett on the court for his own self-interest. This statement alone and the possible confirmation of Judge Barrett signaled a dire need for recusal because it is blatantly political. So here's what the president said on 2020 election. Just in case it would be more political than it should be, it's very important to have the ninth justice. He didn't care when Merrick Garland was there that there were only eight justices, but of course he cares now. So the bottom line is very simple. There's only one, one conclusion when it comes to Justice Barrett. In regard, It's clear there's only one conclusion when it comes to Justice Barrett in regards to... Her voting on repealing ACA and on deciding the legitimacy of the presidential election. Recusal. Recuse. This is what she should do. There is no question about it. Here's what it says. To disqualify oneself as a judge in a particular case. That's what she should do. And I believe that's what the canons of ethics and all the other legal writings would call for. Okay? Yeah. Right. The process is already illegitimate, dangerous and unpopular. All the more reason she should be recused. All
2: right. So think about it this way. Why do you think they want her to be recused? Why do you think that, uh, you know, they're so you know, they've got their panties in a twist? Why? Think of it. Justice Barrett. She's going to be Justice Barrett. What is the concern that they have? Power, of course. But what is so big about the Affordable Care Act? Now, I told you that I worked on the Affordable Care Act. And the concern that I had was, first of all, they passed it and didn't read it. And the most amazing comment during part one of the hearing that I recorded, which I'm going to record part two after the show and upload them separately so people can watch on their own and for historical context, of course. But the best comment that I saw go out was so awesome. It's like, how about confirm her and then see how she'll vote? Argument kind of like the ACA, right? That was the most badass comment ever. But here's the deal. The Affordable Care Act has little to do with your care and all about to do with you. It doesn't have so much about abortion. It's not about your health. It's about you. The Affordable Care Act essentially gives ownership to companies that participate in your health. They have full and unfettered access. I mean, think about it. Why does Allstate, when you insure your car, have access to your health? Why is it that your bank does? Why is it that everybody and their mother does? Data, 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 data. How they link it up to genetics and can use that does. You see? Remember, I... Talk to you guys about how in Oregon they had, I wrote an article, I'm, I have to look for it and resurrect it, how they had um, elderly death panels or people that were mentally disabled or had Alzheimer's where they would, they passed a law to starve them to death. Do you remember with COVID where there was a guy who was um, someone, you know, he had like a heart attack and uh the hospital was found to be negligent because they made him a quadriplegic from you know the way they did cpr on him well that man who had five children was not afforded any care in covid he was left to die they starved him and gave him no medication and left to die because they decided That it's less cost. Of course it is. Now that he's dead, they'll pay out the family and say, well, he died. So we no longer have to pay for a nurse to take care of him and all this stuff. So you get no money, even though we had him as a quadriplegic. But now he's dead from COVID from the same people that were paying for his care. It's all about money, money, money too expensive, that's too much. You know, when I was watching the first half of the hearing, they had this sob story about a child with a heart defect and all this money was going into it and how the Affordable Care Act saved them. You know what's so dumb? It's that fast forward in their timeline, right? They no longer need your kid so they can figure out what the best way and methods are to save one of their own. That's what they did, experimentation. But The government would never pay for that. It'd be like, look, man, the kid's going to cost a fortune on the state. It's going to be just too much. You already know in utero that this kid's going to have problems. Just kill it because it's going to be too much money. I'm telling you what's up. Yeah, you know, it's not a life to live if the kid has Down syndrome. Just kill it. Oh, did your kid have a stroke and it was only three months? Yeah. Let's just let it die because it might have problems. That's going to cost the government way too much money to have. Wait a minute. Did your kid just get cancer at the age of five? Oh, it's bone cancer. Damn. Osteosarcoma. Really bad. If they remove a limb, then the government has to keep paying for like all this physical therapy and all these bionic arms, legs, whatever limb they, it's too much money. No, that's what the Affordable Care Act is. That is giving full control over your health. Dude, you're over 65, you've had three heart attacks. Uh, we're not covering it anymore. Um, this is an involuntary DNR. We're not bringing you back. That is what the ACA is. Now, that ACA lines every single person's pocket from pharmaceutical companies that make medicine to keep you sick and supposedly keep you alive long enough until it's not reasonable. Uh, they make the vaccines that can alter your genetic code to the way they want you. I mean, we really need to dumbify your species back to where it was when we found you so that way we can utilize it. That's the way it is. Uh, this is how the ACA is. This is why they're so their panties are in a twist because they lose full control over you, huh? They are never going to be satisfied. Never going to be satisfied until they have you. You know that's the way it is. Huh. The devil would never be happy until he seizes the ripest fruit on that tree and that's you. Every single one of you owned these people want nothing but power and they will stop at nothing to get it back. They are so pissed, so pissed that president Trump came out. Now we are having a bit of a, an issue, you know, in moving up uh, the timeline of when are we going to get all of this stuff done? Uh, when are these people getting arrested? When is it happening in due time? And, you know, I'm a very impatient person and I've learned to get some patience. Um, But just minutes from when is it all going to happen? That's the question everybody wants to know. When is it going to happen? Well, now we've got this. Let me tell you the, the importance of the Supreme Court justice being confirmed now. Lindsey Graham, you better not fuck this up. Because if November 3rd rolls around, forget the ACA is just phew, the big finito. November 3rd rolls around and we need nine judges. We can't have a four, four. we can't have a four4. we need a deciding vote. And he fucks this up because they're not going to give us the win. They are not going to give us the win. I'm telling you, they are not going. They are going to tell you that no one has the votes. We're still counting. We don't know. We need to count. I mean, Whitmer came out and said, no one's going to tell us when we're going to have to count the votes. It's like, um, excuse me, bitch. We usually know on November 3rd. That way, you know, we know who's president. Uh, I didn't know that we're running on her schedule and everybody else's schedule separately. This is what they're going to do. The fact that he's pushing it, oh, we're going to vote on it, uh, you know, October 22nd. Why not vote now? Forget the, sh- the pony show. Just vote. Forget the pony show. Vote. Forget the pony show. Vote. Why is he not doing it? Because he wants to save his ass. Lindsay, I promise you, your ass is saved for now. Then I'm coming to your state and I will help every single one of your constituents remove and replace you instantly. Because it is not right that you're playing both sides of the fence. It's not fair that you want to see where you get covered. Leverage on the backs of innocent people is disgusting. It's just disgusting. I'll tell you what. Okay, just to give myself some peace. So yesterday I was having a conversation with Millie. I swear to God, this woman grounds me when I need to be grounded. She sent me something because I was very upset. I think it's more the ego thing. She sent me a couple of um, things. She said, be careful that you don't do your chatterable giving before men to be seen by them or else you'll have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So that means I'm keeping my glasses on. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Don't give that which is holy to the dog's. Neither throw your pearls before the pigs, lest perhaps they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Hmm. I'm going to keep it at that for now. So that was my point to rein it in. I'm just saying, rein it in. I want you to listen to what Lindsey Graham had to say prior to the confirmation hearing day one that they started with um, Justice Barrett. Take a listen.
3: Now, confirmation hearings will begin for Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett on Capitol Hill.
6: Senate Judiciary Committee Chairperson uh, Lindsey Graham will be holding up the gravel. He joins us right now uh, with what we can expect today. Senator, you kind of previewed it with Maria a little bit, but in terms of the format, you know the Democrats have been meeting, trying to coordinate an attack plan behind the scenes how do you think that's going to play a role in what should be a traditional opening?
10: Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, if they want to disrupt the opening, they they can. But uh, come Thursday, the October the 22nd, we're going to vote her out our committee. What we do between now and then is up to them. I hope we have a respectful hearing. I hope we give 10-minute openings and we hear from the judge today the way we've done it uh, for the last 15 or 20 times. But it's up to them. I'll be surprised if it gets too disruptive. They think they're leading in a presidential election, Kavanaugh blew up in their face. I think they're smart enough to know that if they play any dirty tricks, it it will not help them in their overall cause. But time will tell. Senator, uh, as we look
9: at the uh, meeting room there in the Hart Senate building, uh, where you will be very shortly, um, we know that they've taken out a tape measure and everybody's at least six feet. The chairs (laughs) are at least six feet apart. And there we can see Amy Coney Barrett actually in the uh, office building right now that you are sitting in. She will be right. taking the stage in about a half an hour. Uh, behind her desk, it looks like there are a number of chairs and they are not socially distant. So I would imagine that those are going to be people who are in the same bubble. Are you expecting her <laughs> children and family to be behind
10: her? Yes, I hope so. This is the biggest day in her life. Uh, she's worked all her life. <clears throat> Excuse me for this moment. Wouldn't you want to share it with your family? So there are people going to work right now all over America. We've taken, we've taken great pains to make sure this committee room is safe. The architect of the Capitol consulting with a physician for the House and the Senate has made it CDC compliant. Uh, people have positives uh, at a restaurant. You don't shut the restaurant down. Uh, if a military unit has a positive, <clears throat> you go on about your business uh, safely. We'll have a safe hearing space. The question for my Democratic friends, do you want to take advantage of the hearing or do you want to play politics? That will be up to them. But her family will be there. This is a blessed day in her life and a great day for
3: America. Senator, what happens if uh, the senators, the Republican senators that have COVID have tested positive, are still testing positive and they can't be there for the vote next Thursday?
10: Well, uh, I think we're good to go with them. I just talked to both of them not long ago. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, You can participate virtually in the hearing itself. I do need the Republicans present uh, this coming Thursday. I see no problem with that. And uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But so far, so good. Again, The COVID is real. It's dangerous. Take it seriously. But I can't stress enough to you. There are cops going to work. There's waitresses going to work. There are nurses going to work. We need to go to work. The United States Senate Judiciary Committee is going to work to do its most important work to confirm Mm -hmm. a judge to the U.S. Supreme Court. Nothing more important for us.
6: Well, we answered one question. Will her family be there? Uh, they're making their way into the, into the room now. We just saw them march right past <laughs> yeah. where you were talking, Senator. So, uh, a couple of things, uh, you know, in the American Bar Association says she's, uh, qualified, but Chuck Schumer doesn't want her. Uh, he especially does not want her. And if she does get on the court uh, playing a role in the future of the ACA, he said this yesterday, quote, this is the number one issue that the American people care about. And it is at direct stake with the Supreme Court nominee, given her past statements, given the balance of the court early on. I got together with Pelosi and Biden, and that's what we said. We're going to focus on that the whole time. They want her to recuse herself. Should she get
10: on? And that's going to be come up, I think, November 11th. Well, she has no legal conflict here. This is a political desire of Chuck Schumer. There's a difference between what he would like to happen politically and what the law requires. If it were up to, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer. Uh, and he's the one that changed the rules to begin with. He's the guy that's gonna pack the court if we lose the House, the Senate, and the White House. Chuck Schumer has done a lot of damage to the judiciary by wanting to make it liberal. If they do go through with expanding the court, then you destroy an independent branch of the government. A lot's at stake in this election. And other things at stake, if Republicans hold the Senate, guys, I'll be the budget chairman. If Democrats take over the Senate, the budget chairman will be Bernie Sanders. Oh my goodness. Lindsay program.com help, <laughs> right. help yourself by helping me right me budget chairman bernie budget chairman you figure this out for yourself
9: well the way you put it right there a lot of people are going okay <laughs> um you know as we
10: look uh apparently
9: the family's going to be walking past that camera location right there um joe biden has been asked a number of times over the last week or 10 days senator about whether or not if he were president he would push to pack the courts well now, because he's taken heat, uh, because he would not say, now he's saying essentially that you are packing the courts by having this hearing today, and he says it's unconstitutional. Watch this. The only court packing going on right now is going on with Republicans
1: packing the court now. It's not constitutional what they're doing. The fact is that the only packing going on is this court is being packed now by the Republicans. After the vote has already begun, I'm going to stay focused on it so we don't take the eyes off the ball.
9: OK, so he says you're packing the court by having this hearing today <laughs> yeah. and she could be confirmed. But what's he talking about, that it's unconstitutional? We can't figure that part out.
10: It's kind of like the the pledge of anything he recites is hard to follow. Uh, constitutionally, the president has the ability until his last day in office to fill vacancies just to skin Ginsburg said, Joe, look at her quote, you get elected for four years, not three. So constitutionally, the president is acting within the power given to him by the Constitution. We've had 20 people nominated in election years. 17 of them, I think, uh, made it to the court. She's going to make it. There's nothing unconstitutional. But what they're talking about is expanding the court. We're not packing the court. We're making it nine. It's been nine for over 140 years. They're talking about expanding the number to make it liberal. They will literally change America as we know it. They will expand the number of the Supreme Court. They will abolish the Electoral College, which means Ainsley, South Carolina doesn't matter anymore. Uh, New York and California picked the president. They're going to make D.C. a state. Uh, they're gonna, It's going to be a parade of horribles if we lose the House, the Senate, and the White House. They're going to change this country so you won't recognize it anymore.
3: I know um, you are—South Carolina is very proud of you and being from South Carolina, but I remember during the Kavanaugh hearing <laughs> when Thank you me. said what you said about destroying his life and how you voted for Soda, Sonia Sotomayor and Kagan That's, and you yeah. expected the same respect— you were a superstar in South Carolina and all over the country for Republicans. They loved that you stood up for him. Do you have anything planned if it goes if it goes that way? If they start attacking her own family and faith,
10: to stand up for her, there's a constitutional prohibition uh, against using one's religion to deny you a chance to serve your government. <clears throat> there's a constitutional provision <clears throat> prohibiting a um, a uh, religious test, Kavanaugh. I stood up for him, people listened because I voted for Sotomayor and Kagan. I don't know what they're gonna do, but I know this. right, uh, My opponent raised $57 million because I stood up for Kavanaugh. Liberals hate my guts, I've been a friend of Trump, no worse sin in the liberal world than to try to help Trump. They're trying to buy South Carolina. Uh, LindseyGraham.com Help me fight back. I'm going to stand up for her. I hope people will stand up for me. We're going to keep the House. Uh, we're going to try to take back the House, keep the Senate, and get President Trump reelected. I think this helps President Trump. Right. He is shaping the court in a way good for your business, good for your family. And Amy Barrett is worth fighting for. If you want to fight over Amy Barrett, you'll get one. Jamie uh, Harrison is your opponent
6: to find out what party he was in. He does not want to admit he's a Democrat.
10: <laughs> Why? <laughs> Uh, Because liberal Democrats uh, are not going to win in South Carolina. We like conservative people. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Your ideology does matter. There's two things going on in this race. It's payback for Kavanaugh when I derailed their plans to destroy his life, to keep the seat open, uh, and it's punishment for helping Trump. Most of the money, 90-something percent, is coming from out of the state. Every liberal in the country wants to take me out. He hasn't run one ad admitting he's a Democrat. He says it's not really about Republican and Democrat. Well, it really is. If we lose the Senate, Bernie Sanders writes the nation's budget and vows socialist. If we keep the Senate... I'm the budget chairman. He's very liberal. He's the associate chairman of the National Democratic Party on their, pay- on their payroll. He was the former party chairman of South Carolina. Do you do, do you believe for one minute he doesn't buy into their agenda of uh, changing the number right. on the court, making D.C. a state, abolishing the Electoral College? Yeah, it goes on and on and on. 57. He's with them.
6: Fifty-seven million is an all-time record for a Senate race. All-time <laughs> yeah, record beat right. Bader O'Rourke's <laughs> all-time record. He had thirty-six million. <laughs> right. That's uh. It's nice to be uh. It's nice to be, get some attention, Senator. Right.
10: <laughs> right. They're trying to buy South Carolina. Ainsley's from South Carolina. Our state is not for sale. There's no amount of money you can print to convince South Carolinians to buy in. To the most radical agenda the Democratic Party's pushed in the history of the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. AOC endorsed him last week. The Green New Deal, Medicare for all, expanding the Supreme Court, uh, abolishing the Electoral College, making DC a state. All of these things are terrible for South Carolina, terrible for the country. This is, there's not enough money to flip this state. I do need to fight back. I need to be able to explain to people the differences. LindseyGraham.com. If you want right. to help me, uh, okay. Help me by going to my website. If you have finished. another show coming up in twenty
3: yeah. minutes, so we gotta got to let you go. got a place to
6: go.
10: So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to go. <laughs>
3: go head over to room number two sixteen in the Hart Senate yeah, Office Building. Thank so you so much for coming over up.
2: there. And as you could see, he was thumping his campaign, and that was for a reason. Now, for those of you that are in his district and you're his constituents, I would urge you to vote for him because we do need him. And when I say, "What are you nuts?" Don't worry, the work starts after. Okay. When this election is over, that's when the real work starts, okay? Now, about useful idiots. So there's a lot of people out there that are, are fake. You know that they're fake. They're not about the movement. They're not about freedom. We don't need free things. We want to just be free people, right? That's the thing. But a lot of them have jumped onto this movement, and President Trump knows that too. He retweets them. He, his people will even, you know, promote things they've done, videos, movies, letters, actions, committees, hearings, you know, the grandstanding. Look, I'm with Trump. Look, I'm going to expose this. Right. The reason is because they're useful idiots. Down to the core, we know that the thing that makes them go hmm and move their butts is money, money, money. And as long as they're getting money 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 then they're okay with uh doing whatever. And this is why they don't have money. I'll explain. So you're in, you infiltrate the Trump campaign. I'm just giving an example, true example, with no names. You infiltrate the Trump campaign, you run around with the campaign, I don't know, you're like hustling by coffees and McDonald's, whatever, you know, stuff like that, and then you're just like constantly, you know, uh, maybe you wrote a couple books, maybe you did a couple things, maybe you're uh, putting out some smart tweets, maybe you're gaining some, you know, traction, and then suddenly you get a job at, you know, you get slotted into a media corporation and then you're like talking. And you're just like, yeah. Even though you may have, you know, um, engaged in a lot of uh, psyop warfare, like, I don't know, pull out signs that say like, Rape Melania. Now, useful, useful, useful for the movement and you have to use them. These are the people that you use until it's done. Then you take them out. Then you teach them that doing things, like Millie said, a good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. And, you know, and I speak from experience on this, the minute you stop, you know, worrying about, well, what's going to happen to me? I still, you know, basic things. I still need water. I still need electricity. I still need a house. I still need to eat. And I'm doing this and I'm being attacked by evil. The minute you stop thinking and saying, well, if, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If I'm doing it wrong, then I will be punished. If I'm doing it right, then I will have just what I need. If all of us thought that and believe that, we would all be successful we would all be happy i mean i believed it and i you know there's not one day that i i don't have my coffee or that i don't have a roof over my head whereas before every time i mitigated oh let me make sure this make sure that it didn't work and every time i would try to you know maneuver around the constructs that you know evil creates i would find roadblocks Instead, you say, fuck it. I'm all in for good, and it's going to work out because it's for good. And if all of us did that, instead, <laughs> fuck it. I'm doing this because it's the good. It's for good. And it's not going to benefit me. It's going to benefit someone else. And, it, you know, per, per se, because it benefits all of us. It benefits our children. Remember today, the confirmation hearing. Just as Barrett's going to be around when your grandkids are having kids. Okay? She's going to be here. And if all of us realize that wars are won without going to war, that happiness is achieved when other people are happy, that good prevails when everything you do is for good, and that there is an abundance that you have no idea. It comes out of nowhere. Out of nowhere it comes when you most need it only because it's for the good. If you're putting out positive, positive, you want positive, positive, you want everyone to succeed. You want everyone to be uplifted. You want everyone to go forward. You want everyone to be free. You want everyone to be respected. Then you're putting out so much positive. How in the heck have we convinced ourselves that it's going to come back negative? It doesn't. For some reason, the devil has implanted the statement with every good deed comes a great cost, right? Or every good deed never goes unpunished. Unpunished? Good. De- unpunished by who? Up until what point? To the point that you see that they have power over you to punish you. After that, there's nothing. They can't do diddly squat. It's false. So um, today um, or tomorrow... I'm gonna be putting out a a short video. It's gonna be inspired from nineteen sixty-five, and you'll see that so many years ago, right? They had it right. So many years ago. How many years is that, guys? Think about it. That's like twenty years, right? Thirty years. Wow. Are you kidding? So many years ago, 55 years ago, they were on point, 65, 70, 100, 1,000 years ago, because the message is the same. But we're going to reference one person that put out the message in 1965, and we're just going to adjust it for this time period. It's pretty interesting. (laughs) We say history repeats itself. Well history is only a depiction of your future ergo repeats itself but it's your job to not make it happen again it was uh yesterday we had an amazon prime member because you know if you're amazon prime you can watch movies we watched this movie that's like b-rated kind of and the end of the movie was like the good part right the the middle part you know it had some actors that i liked right But at the end, it was pretty much like, you know, you have the opportunity to go back with what you know. Would you do it different? And how would you do it different? Right. And so it was it was very interesting. It was the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of that whole film were the ones that that resonated the truth. And that you can see the future. Ergo, you can fix it. (laughs) past is the past, but if you can peek into the future and see it, why wouldn't you fix it? Why would you not apply the knowledge that you know of the future to your present to ensure to avoid it? That is what's happening here. I mean, this happens all the time and I, I believe that most of you are starting to see it. The past and the moment that you are in right now, this very second can't be minute that second goes by. It's the past unchanged. You can't set in stone going forward, though. You can change. You could take a left. You could take a right. You can hop. You can skip. You can fly. You can sing. You can whistle while you work, whatever it is. But you can change that. The only thing is, is that we are in an environment, in a construct that we all share, we all share this construct of limitations. And as we share a construct of, of limitations, we have to understand that if we all believe in fear or a negative outcome, then a negative outcome will indeed manifest. This is why I don't seem to understand why all these people... I, I get tons of emails from a bunch of people uh, and messages that are so pessimistic. Oh, I saw so-and-so's report and they're like, nah, nah, nah. and it's like, why are you listening to them? What tells you that they know what they're talking about? They're telling you what the media is telling you with their own spin. You can watch the other media and draw your own conclusions too. Great analysis is great analysis. But when you're hearing... When you are hearing something negative or scary and that you should fear, then why are you listening to it? You are just doing exactly what they want you to do. We create our own personal reality, but we share that with others. So it's very important. I mean, if, if, we, if we go back to the Bible for those of you that read the Bible and the Quran says the same and so and so do uh, the Judaic scriptures and the Hindu scriptures they say it. If you believe that God will save you, he will save you. If you believe that. <laughs> so, I'm not saying believe, uh, you know that you can fly and go jump out a window. That's crazy, right? Because everybody else doesn't believe that happens. I'm saying that what we can see is, is that we are all empowered right now, and we are driving the narrative. We are in control. They have never been in control. We have just allowed them to take the wheel. And the amount of attacks that are coming against our president, against ourselves, the silencing on social media, uh, people are like, I'm losing all these followers. I haven't lost followers on Twitter. Um, you know, <laughs> this is like one, number five. But... It's, it's, you can see some things that are happening that are different. You are starting to see it. You are starting to see it. What is important? What's important is that your neighbor is happy. What is, what's important is, is that your neighbor has, you know, hot running water, that they have food. What's important to those Armenian people right now that we're running? So that the children do not see carnage and war. Those are things that we should all be paying attention to. Well, our neighbors. And so our duty is to make sure that everyone goes and votes. You know, I was actually talking to Millie who has grounded me these days because I've been so upset. And like I said, I think that's the human side of me that has this ego. And I'm not shy to, you know, admit it. Where I get really, really upset you know i was uh you know like i said no messages and dms are hidden from plain sight but um i was privy to some some communications of someone referring um saying oh no 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 it can't be she's this 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 uh you know <sighs> And, you know, ego, of course. What do you mean? What? The shoe doesn't fit on me? Shit. I made that shoe. I'm freaking Cinderella. You know, that was my ego coming out. And it's not the good one. You know, it's not. That's the little black hat of me coming out, you know, demanding that someone pat me on the back. And I hate it when it comes out. You know, uh, you know that, that side of me comes out. I loathe it. I, I I hate the word hate. Loathe is better. I loathe it. But it came out. And that's because that's the war against me. Right. The war against me is like, all right. So now we can't touch you because you really don't care. So we're going to hurt you where it hurts. We're going to attack you. And even though it wasn't in a public sphere and it was within a circle, you know, I, I, it hurts because this is an influential circle and well, influential just on social media. They think they're gods, but. And that's what sucks. It's like, why am I saying that? See, I shouldn't be saying that. I, I, I try to re-educate myself. I shouldn't be saying that, but um, you know, I want to just pop in and say, see, I can see everything. I've got flies everywhere. I and I also mentioned flies yesterday on in the movie. I don't know if anybody caught it, because, um, but anyway, all of us have that problem. We all want to feel like um. Like someone's watching and, and, and we shouldn't, okay. We shouldn't, uh, for people like me that had huge evil egos, um, you know, and considering the loss, like say, for example, you know, you are a car mechanic, right. And you, um, a car breaks down in the middle of the road and you help this little old lady, you fix it and you Lose a finger in the process, and then you know nobody says, "Well, wow, you know you lost your finger doing it." You know you don't get that you, out a boy, you know pat on the head. You get really pissed, right? You're like, just lost a finger, and nobody cares. Then the next time you're just like, oh whatever, the little old lady's fine, so that's okay. Next day you do it again, you lose another finger till you have no hands, and still no one's like petting you. And and I understand it because and, and this is just an example, right? but we, one finger may be nothing to some, to others, it may be a lot. One, this may be nothing to some, but it may be a lot to others. It's important for us to remember that, um, all of us are, are connected and that we all keep each other where we need to be. And the trials and tribulations that we go through are all our own cross to bear. Um, and we're seeing that, um, religion is really coming into the picture uh, and and i say this because in my in my church right we had some really crazy things happen you know this is historical christianity this is before catholicism before the schism in in christianity where all these other christianities you know spun off versions and that's okay like i said if the egyptians were by a lake it wouldn't be a river god it would be a lake god you know everyone interprets god to their own eyes well um, Metropolitan Timothy of, um, Bostra in Jerusalem, um, is discussing globalization issues because we see now the Pope created a prayer that was very, um, a prayer that Muslims will repeat and Judaists will repeat. And it's kind of like a common prayer, which is really weird. And, uh, I saw that change in my church, which is supposed to be the historical Christian, like the first Christian church ever built right um the orthodox church which means orthodox by the word right straight from the word you know president trump for the first time recognized greek independence day and signed a document so the representative of the greek church in the united states demetrius uh you know praised him for that Dude, three days later he was fired and they brought in this other priest who decided that we're shutting down the churches, who decided we're not allowed to have communion from the same spoon. And it's like, we've been through plagues for over 2000 years, wars and churches never shut down. You know, it's, it's very strong uh, on a belief to those. And here we have it panning out. And there is a call from the center church in Jerusalem saying that globalization is aimed at the unions of people, mutual acquaintance and cooperation for peaceful coexistence. And we would like to believe, right, that helping weaker people um, has to be done, right? And theoretically, it sounds positive and commendable, right? But In the name of this globalization, he says, indirectly or at the instigation of internal legislation peoples are called upon to renounce their national and cultural traditions to revise historical events and most importantly to renew religious values and beliefs for the sake of the peaceful coexistence of various peoples in every country around the world this is this is what globalization is doing he's pointing it out that in order to have this dystopia or utopia as they push it you have to renounce uh, your culture your past history you have to rewrite it to make it peaceful you have to create one religion the pope is doing that already the pope is literally doing that already he signed that declaration it was supposed to be the end of september he just did it this past week which was incredible and he said among the proponents of globalization we find not A few spiritual leaders who believe that compromise with the new order of things is useful and who diminish religious traditions, especially in countries with traditionally Christian population, the followers of other religions are unshakable in their faith and do not assimilate much in traditionally Christian countries. In such circumstances, Christians become disillusioned with their faith, causing causing them to withdraw from the living fount of the preaching of the gospel. Thus churches become empty and they cease to be houses of prayer and worship, at best retaining only historical and cultural value, and at most Real estate value, which can be realized through the rent, as we often see in our times in the West. Church buildings are used as residential buildings and cultural centers or are rented to representatives of other religions. But let's look at what the church says about globalization. Christ was the first to say that they all may be one. This is the unification of the whole world in the name of Jesus Christ. Who worked salvation, not just on earth, but in eternity. When he led all of those who awaited him from Hades to paradise, union in the spirit of his church, where true love, care for one another, solidarity between all peoples, and peace, justice, and equality will prevail. As the Apostle Paul proclaimed, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female for ye all are one in Christ Jesus. So freedom of the spirit in Christ and mutual respect between peoples does not imply the forced submission that is accepted in the principles of the new order of things. Remember, this is about the new order. They're constantly saying the new order. We heard Australia say with this new world order. I mean, the the, the crown is flexing in Australia, obviously, because that was their prison island, right? Australia. So you, you must understand that our religion is under attack too. And so Amy Comey Barrett coming up to be Justice Barrett is not coincidental at this time. It coincided with exactly what the Pope was on point to do and creates a push against religion in general. I mean, they're so devices. They're aligning the 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 advocation of removing uh, Rashida and Ilhan Omar as Muslim hate. No, it's anti-American hate. They hate America. So what are they trying to say? That all Muslims hate America? Because they don't. They absolutely don't. So why are they pushing it? That's the problem. They are attacking our religion. That is the last stand. Religion is personal. They have affected our, uh, our the way we socialize. They, had effect, they have affected the way we educate ourselves. They have affected the way we work and interact with each other. They are able to control that. But what they can't control is your spiritual self. And this is what they're doing now. This is the importance of it. The importance of it. And it's all happening at the same time. Like I said, is it coincidental that she's going up now with the Catholic Church? pushing a new common prayer amongst all religions? Is it common practice that the historical church is at a tipping point? I mean, this just past week in my church, they fired and put people on leave because they were like, no, we're still going to have church. No, this, no, we're having church. These people want to, there, there is a concerted attack against religions. And I, I don't seem, you can't see it. In Africa, they are slaying Christians. They are making people bow down if they are pro-Christianity. Armenia, the whole war, mostly about Christianity. Let's get that straight. This is it. We are a nation under God, and it will stay like that. Because the 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 problem that we don't seem to understand is is that they've been whispering into our children's ears for decades that the that the Bible, the Quran, all of these things, myth, myth, myth. You don't need God. We need science. You don't need, uh, you know, d- to, to 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 pray. Just just do. You know, you don't need to, uh, be prude about things. You could just be. Exp- you know, explosive about it and, and, and lewd and crusty about it. And yeah, right. You could, that's what evil does. And that is how they put these, these, um, how do I say fault lines within our psyches to make us not have faith. So, Again, I say it over and over again, but I really need you to have faith in humanity because humanity is the pure goodness. People are not innately evil. They are innately good and the more good we put out the more good comes back so what you are going to hear this week and all these people saying oh my gosh bar's not doing his job oh my gosh no one's ever going to get arrested oh my gosh we just lost this oh my gosh don't listen listen to you listen to you that's it have you guys ever been I've had this happen. Have you guys ever been in church where you're, or wherever, or praying at home? I kid you not, when I pray at home or when I'm in church, this happens all the time. So I want to think about something. I want to pray. I want to ask for forgiveness, whatever it is. Uh, The minute I clear my mind and I'm praying, I think of things like, Oh, I got to do the laundry. Oh, did I take this to defrost so that I can cook dinner? Oh, um, this. Oh, did I like feed the cat? Oh, um, oh, did I leave the light on? Wait a minute. Did I turn off this? Every single time a distraction comes in. Every single time I'm focusing on something good, on 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 prayer for someone, on prayer for myself, on prayer for my children, on prayer for our future, or pray for our, our president. Distractions. Every single thing you see now, where they're like, "Oh, this isn't gonna happen. This is just uh, and this person is just, uh, just stop. Consider it the same. Consider it a distraction. That's all you have to do. Consider it a distraction. Uh, Native American culture says you know, um, everybody has a bear, right? And, um, is it Cherokee? I'm trying to remember, is it Hopi that say that every person is born with a bear and if you feed that bear, that bear will overcome you. Hopi. Okay. So, um, well, not the wolf. There's a bear story. It's a, it's a bear. It's the feeding of the bear. Um, we saw that in a movie, didn't we, you guys? It was the bear. Was she Cherokee? Because I I googled it when we were watching the movie. I think we watched that. It was a really bad. Oh no, we didn't. Did I? Did I? Damn it! See, I'm losing my mind. Um, but yeah, the which wolf will you feed is a is a Hopi one, yes. But there was one where a bear comes in, where which if you feed the bear, you know it'll it, which is your fear right? The fear of everything. It'll overcome you. That, 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 that's, that's a, you know, that's something that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't feed fear, fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, will I get the job? Will I, um, you know, um, will my kid have this? Um, I'm going to the doctors. Will my, you know, results come out like this? Oh, will I be able to make this bill? Oh, will the president be okay? Oh, will this person be okay? Oh, will Armenia be okay? This, that, that, you know, all these things, these are fears And the more you feed them, right, the bigger they become. So why not feed the part that says everything will be okay? The Armenians will be fine. Everything will come, you know, stop letting those distractions come in. Because I see them online all the time where the people are bitching and moaning all the time. And people that that I see have, have an immense following. And I'm like, why are you talking smack? Stop. Why are you doing this to the people? Why are you torturing them? I'm just saying it's important. It is important that um, we focus on the successes that are to come and we focus on the successes that we want to come. I am saying this because it's really important. The next 10 days are going to be crazy, crazy. It's the 12th, eight days. Crazy, crazy. When I say cray, cray, we're talking off the hook, cray, cray. So, I mean, it it started yesterday, the kickoff, you know, where they had the guy shoot. And did he shoot? Did he not shoot? Was he really shot? Was he a security guard? Wasn't? You guys just keep the faith. When you see something like this, just be like, I pray that the person that was shot is okay. I pray that the person repents for shooting. And whatever it is, it's going to be taken care of. I, I mean, we need to um, really focus on that. Because there is a lot coming down. Everyone's just getting really pissed, you know. And remember, Barr is supposed to be in it for redemption. Redemption is key. The president is evident of that. Redemption is one of the biggest tools that one can use. Redemption. Because everyone that has worked for the government served in our armed forces has always done something wrong. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you, you know, when I look at Lindsey Graham, when I saw him in that previous video talking, it reminded me of a face that I probably made before where you're just like, damn, I fucked up so bad. And it's like, I want to say I fucked up. But if I say that I fucked up, I'm going to get killed or I'm going to be crucified for it. And I shouldn't say it. And it's like, dude, just do it. It's so liberating. I mean, I did it. Do it just it's liberating do it um you know that's that's the way it is and he's not doing it so you know he better because if he doesn't have the vote for confirmation on the 22nd because of whatever happens between now and then ooh, ooh, is he in trouble we've got a remedy for that there what well, we need something there's an app for that we shouldn't say there's an there's a there's a solution for that too There's a solution for that too. So there's always a backup plan when you know the plan, right? When you know their plan, you have like backup plan on backup plan on backup plan. So the only thing you need to do right now is pray because, you know, we have to use game theory completely and i've said i love my game theory right because this is all about information infodemic information warfare this is where we're at and yeah there's a timeline for that there we go that's it we got a really good timeline for that so you know this is an information war this is an infodemic we are we have been living in one of the longest pandemics of information for decades and so now is where it comes We are all here together, unified, all people, not just for ourselves, but for people that can't speak and for people like those insane liberals that scream and cry and foam at the mouth for them too, because they are screeching. They are in so much pain. So remember that. Um, on that note, I'm going to play that video that I found, um, of this guy that does the land of confusion all by himself. It is such an awesome video. I had never seen one guy do that whole song by himself before. Um, so we're gonna, I'm gonna play that as we end this show. And, um, like I said, we're going to, um, we're going to see a lot happening and, um, it's going to be for the greater good and hold on to your seats for showergate too. I'm just saying just a hint, hint, um, hint, <laughs> hint, 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 um, So here we go. I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. Um, I will be uploading um, Amy Justice Barrett's confirmation hearing part two as well. Um, I'm uploading part one now on YouTube so that we have it. Um, If you're not following me on Rumble, please do. That's where I will archive all my videos. Um, I'm trying to do that slowly while I'm getting. uh, It's a no. um, What is it? No banning platform. I mean, Nunez is in on it and um, Dan Bongino. So uh, no banning there. So I'm going to be putting all my videos there. Make sure to rumble for me um, on that note. God bless everyone. I will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. 12 to 2. God bless. I
12: must have dreamed
0: a thousand dreams. The moving into the streets Now did you read the news today? They say the nature's coming.